Genre. And welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Jodorowsky, and this week we're discussing Vasil Petrovich Golbaratko from the Ukrainian series Servant of the People. And joining us for the discussion is first-time guest Jacob Olson. Welcome, Jacob. Hi, thank you so very much for having me. We are very glad to have you on. For anyone who is not familiar, Servant of the People was a political satire uh, sitcom TV show created by and starring and produced by uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. Zelensky stars as Vasil Petrovitz Goloborodko, a high school teacher who was elected president of Ukraine after a student recording of a classroom rant about corruption and politics goes viral. It aired 51 episodes between 2015 and 2019, and we're going to be discussing the first two episodes of the series. Now, Jacob, this is something that you had asked if you could come onto the podcast to talk about. Um, it is sadly topical right now because uh, for any of our listeners who didn't catch the name, Zelensky, uh, who was the creator and star of the series, he is the president of Ukraine right now uh, as Russia is invading Ukraine at uh, the time of this recording and will undoubtedly be at the time of the release of this episode in only a few days. And because of that, I had become like I'd heard Servant of the People like in the air, people talking about um, this series. Were you familiar with it before um, the the present crisis in Ukraine? Yes, actually. I I think I discovered it two years ago it, when it uh, was on Netflix. They had the first season and only the first season on Netflix for a while. And it came up in my suggested feed and I was a little bit desperate and saw this Ukrainian political comedy <laughs> and thought, okay, I'll give this a try. And it wasn't until after I watched the first few episodes that I looked it up on Wikipedia and realized that the star is the current president of Ukraine. Yeah, I think I probably had, uh, like, just through, like, people commenting that it was kind of unexpected or, uh, you know, art or life imitating art that someone who had started in a TV show about an unexpected president of Ukraine had been elected president of Ukraine. But it hadn't really, like, registered enough for me to go seek it out in any way. Yeah, who would have? Well, so I looked up a whole bunch of reviews for it just recently, you know, to, trying to do my research for this episode. And pretty much all of them said that as sad as the circumstances are right now, they are so grateful that this show is coming to light. Like it's it's now a historical document. And we'll talk more about why in just a minute. Um, but also, it's just a great show. Mm-hmm. It's just It's just funny and charming and idealistic and inspiring. It's, it's really great. All right. Well, a little bit of trivia about the show. Um, well, and Zelensky, as we have noted, Zelensky is the current president of Ukraine and is fighting to repel an invasion by Russia. And he has become noted for leadership and, and there's political leadership. And then there's like leadership of people. And sometimes that, those Venn diagrams overlap, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but not always. And he has proven in this crisis uh, to be like a leader of people <laughs> when he, when he's giving quotes that become slogans, like uh, when he's offered uh, transit out of Ukraine because Russia is coming in and he says, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. You know, yeah. That, which is just going to be the quote in the history books. Yes. Um, and, and I think, I mean, I, I don't know, but I would imagine there's some trepidation for a comedian turned 
leader, you know, in this moment of crisis as like, how will they rise to the occasion? And he has risen to the occasion uh, in, in ways that, again, like I, I think many political leaders would, would have failed to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he has just uh, been so strong in the face of this unimaginable event uh, that, that is occurring within his country. And it's an interesting path that he took to becoming president of the country. Um, so as we said, the series ran for three seasons and a, and, um, a spinoff movie across several years. While it was still in production, a new political party called Servant of the People was formed by some people associated with the, the popular TV show. And Zelensky was kind of the head of this political party. And he ran for president under this new party. And I, I wasn't able to track down exactly how the system works because it said it was in a it seems like there's there's um, levels of the election that happens in Ukraine and, and and until you get to like a final two. But when it was the final two that were there for for the election, he received 72 percent of the vote and took office in 2019. And uh, the Zelensky, um, I think this is also important in understanding who this man is. He obtained a law degree before he decided to pursue entertainment. Uh, so he he had a law degree and then formed his own production company and made movies, cartoons and TV shows. And I've seen like various parts of his entertainment career become more well-known in the last couple of weeks as people have learned more about Zelensky and the world is paying more attention to Ukraine. Um, So you may have seen clips floating around of him winning um, the Ukrainian version of Dancing with the Stars. And also um, he was the voice of Paddington Bear in the Ukrainian dub of those perfect films. Uh, But I think it's also interesting that he has this like full legal training before he became entertainment and then entered politics. So he's he's got a lot of um, hats that he's worn. Uh, did you notice the, um, I love the logo logo for his production company, Fartle 95. And I'm just going to butcher all Ukrainian words and names throughout this. There's no hope. <laughs> anyway, Fartle 95, it's this young boy, this outline of this young boy trying to do a chin up and he just keeps trying and he's just pulling up and kicking and trying, and never quite succeeding. And it's one of my favorite logos ever. Uh, yeah, I, I did enjoy that uh, when I saw that at the beginning of the episode that I was watching. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, you you kind of said that you looked up some articles about this. And I just typed Servant of the People into Google and like clicked on news articles. Dozens and dozens of articles are out there now about this TV show, because as you said, it's kind of become uh, you know hugely significant in understanding who the president of Ukraine is uh, and how he became president of Ukraine. And it's just part of this kind of Marvel. And uh, I, I mean, there's aspects of Zelensky in his current situation where it's kind of like a, achieving folk hero status, uh, you know, for, for around the world <laughs> as, as we look at, yes. and I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with some of those um, because this is a very real tragedy that is occurring. Uh, and I think there's some aspects of him that are getting mythologized. And I understand that allure and that appeal. Um, and I, I, I think this like fascination with this TV series is, is part of that process that we're seeing happening. But like, um, I saw articles from uh, BBC, the guardian, the Jewish Chronicle, Hollywood reporter, wall street journal, and many other outlets that were, revisiting the show, talking about it, contextualizing it. And also there were reports about the fact that around the world, the streaming rights to this show are being snapped up. And I think that's both because there's demand, people want to see the show. And also I think there's been a movement to find ways to get money into Ukraine and literally (laughs) streaming services like buying the rights to the show is funneling money directly into into Ukraine right now um, as they do this. Uh, And I saw it being uh, reported that Netflix is working on non-exclusive rights to the show. Um, 
and deliberately doing non-exclusive so that other services will also be able to uh, buy buy in uh, to to get more money to Ukraine, but also so that there'll be wider exposure of the series. Um, yeah, so, and it is it's currently available legally on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't tell if it's um, Zelensky's YouTube page or if it's the his studio's page. Uh-huh. Uh, or, but um, it is legally available and the dub is not the best and in the english one cuts in and out at times you have to sometimes it, you have to do some funky things <laughs> in the comments you can look, look it up to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. but it is there right now and i have a feeling any day now the dub is going to improve and it's just going to be in many places Right. So yeah, it's uh, not the easiest to track down uh, at at the moment. Um, But I I hope I hope it will be more available uh, in the near future. Well, why don't we jump down to the summary of these two episodes? And we kind of split the summary. I'll uh, talk through the the first episode and uh, you wrote up some summary for the second episode. So I'll let you uh, read through that. And then we can have our discussion about uh, this storyline and the themes that we find in the characters here. So Servant of the People opens up with a trio of shadowy oligarchs uh, looking out over government buildings. They each have been pushing different candidates for president of Ukraine and as a competition between the three decide to let the people actually determine the next winner. We move forward to the day election results are announced and uh, Peter Golubaratko, a taxi driver, is arguing with neighbors. Inside his son, Vassil Golubaratko, a history teacher, wakes up late, uh, getting no respect from his family. He rushes around attempting to get ready for the day. Uh, he, he's like asking people to help him iron his shirt because he's going to be late for his class. But everyone else is also getting ready for their days. And it's just clear, like, it's not that anyone is rude to him. It's just this is a completely level playing field in this household. And no one's needs are <laughs> being put above <laughs> anyone else's <laughs> at the moment. Uh, he comes out of the bathroom in his underwear to find the prime minister waiting in the hallway. He's told that he is now the president. He is shocked. He says he wasn't pulling that well. In a flashback, we now see... Uh, Vasil in his classroom, uh, after his class is excused, he goes on a profane rant about the corrupt politicians who run the country. A student takes a video from a window without Vasil seeing him. In the present, uh, he is taken for an image makeover and a photo shoot. It's like a, a montage. Of, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like um, in uh, any of the like 90s or early 2000s romantic comedies where like the nerdy <laughs> girl gets the makeover. Yeah. It's yes. that, but for him, going from kind of a, a schlubby school, uh, high school teacher to uh, leader of a country. <laughs> <laughs> and he's clearly overwhelmed as clothes and strange situations are thrown at him. Uh, we get another flashback as he enters his classroom to see students yelling at the boy who took the video. He calls the class to order and asks who has seen the video. They all raise their hands. He says he knows the video went viral and he apologizes because um, it was a pretty profane rant. And anyway, <laughs> like in the, in, the, in the audio of the episode, you just hear beeps, like just censoring it. <laughs> My children walked in while I was watching and they're like, what, what do those beeps mean? <laughs> and I had to kind of explain. <laughs> yes. Uh, some students say that their parents agreed with him and would vote for him if he ran for president. Um, and that's... Um, kind of the end of the, the first episode, like uh, the, the audio or the, or the video link, um, like really smashes these two first episodes together as though it's one. Um, but you kindly offered to, to summarize the second half of it. So I'll let you uh, take over here. So Vassil interrupts his first day as president because he has to go to the bank to pay his next installment on his bicycle loan and to a staff meeting at the school where he was scheduled to have a performance review because of his out- outburst. At the bank, the chairman of the bank tells him he's won a competition and he's, his loan is paid in full, uh, which it turns out to have been faked by the prime minister, including the people in the bank. 
I like that. It's just a moment where you start to see the prime minister knows the way the system favors the politicians, and he's trying to push it onto Vassal, and Vassal's kind of refusing and, and not doing it. So the prime minister's just gonna like, I'm going to make the system work for you, even though you don't want it to. <laughs> yes, we're going to suck you in, no matter what you do. <laughs> At the at the school meeting, where before the entire staff was upset with him because of the effect the video will have on the school, they now honor him with cake, a decorative mace, which gets me every time, <laughs> like an actual war mace with spikes, and although it, it looks like, plastic. Yes, it was, it was fantastic. I just was not expecting a mace to make an appearance in this in this episode. Yeah, it's clearly a, a symbol of Ukraine that maybe I should be familiar with, but what it came out... It, very surprising especially because then they all start giving him kisses and there's a song with students from the school dressed in traditional clothing singing it is very surreal it's so weird on his way out his history class congratulates him vassal stays down to earth and has focused on their education as ever at home vassal's parents are promising government positions to friends neighbors and family members Peter, Vessel's father, steps outside to find the apartment building being painted and repaired, and a traffic officer has settled the dispute he's had with his neighbor. Vessel would like to make another stop in the car to get his niece a gift for her birthday, but the Prime Minister tells him that he needs to go to the press conference. It's already been delayed twice. The Prime Minister gives him a folder with answers to the questions the reporters are going to ask. At the press conference, the reporters ask him the questions, and Vassal reads off the answers. Watching on TV, the mysterious oligarchs come to realize none of them were behind Vassal's victory, and that he's an unknown element. They have suspicions that maybe he's backed by Moscow or the West. It's really quite a fun moment. Back at the press conference, the new president's answers, straight from the folder, are meaningless political babble. The press assumes they have another puppet for a president. Vassal, to everyone's surprise, stops the conference. He tells everyone he doesn't understand what he's saying and promises <laughs> to have another conference after he's been able to study. And at first, he refers to the next conference as a test, yes. which gets everybody smiling. I'm flunking this test. I'm going to retake. <laughs> <laughs> One of the reporters asks an unapproved question, trying to discover how Vassal raised the massive sum required to register as a candidate. In a flashback, we learn that his history class raise the money through crowdsourcing. In the car after the conference, the prime minister thinks Vassal is lying to cover up which oligarch gave him the money. Back at home, Vassal and his family are celebrating his niece's birthday. Everyone else, including his niece, are treating it as a celebration of Vassal. The prime minister walks in and apologizes. He was supposed to arrange a present for the niece, a CD from her favorite singer, but the CDs were all out. Instead, a huge cake is brought in, and the singer himself pops out. The family is stunned as the singer performs. The credits roll as the song continues. <laughs> this is uh, It's a very surreal moment when the, when the singer uh, jumps out, both for Vassal and his family, which we see like their reaction. They're like, I just stunned, and this is so strange. But also as a viewer, <laughs> this is really bizarre. What is happening right now? He's wearing a tracksuit, and he's singing this song about I love you, but my mom doesn't love you or something. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's the oddest thing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I think there's a lot of really interesting aspects of this uh, story. I think it's one reason why it became very popular in Ukraine. Uh, and 
one thing that immediately stood out, stood out to me is that we like like I'm familiar with analogs in American storytelling of kind of the noble every person who enters the swamp of politics and will change it. You know, whether it's going back to classics when Mr. Smith goes to Washington or Dave. I, I mean, I'm sure there's many many other examples that we could pull from and uh, and. Um, the specificity of everything with the Ukrainian oligarchs and, uh, you know, uh, and, and their presidential cycle and all that is different, but that overall, you know, that general idea of just an average person taking on uh, the corrupt political system. And I mean, we, we didn't get into it, but you know, there's the sense I think of he's going to fix a lot of things <laughs> that, that are wrong <laughs> with politics, which is what so many of these stories, at least in our American versions are about is that there's something corrupt at well, and corrupting about politics, but an, a normal good person could actually with strong within values it, and, know, and, and overcome that corruption and actually present some level of overhaul or reform uh, to to politics. And I think it's like simultaneously a, a condemnation of politics and a celebration of politics when we have these stories. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, I, I think a lot of political satires are kind of wa- walking that fine line of saying politics are ridiculous and corrupt, but also really important to everyday life <laughs> for, for everyone. When I think of politics, I think about just how hard it is to get my family to agree on where to go out to eat. And like, <laughs> There's only five of us, and one of us is 11 months old. And it's so hard to get us to all agree on a restaurant. And then to try and get an entire country to agree on really important things. Like, it's a miracle any of it works at all. And I, th- I love these stories because they show part of like what is needed for this miracle to continue working. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it really does... Um always like introduce us to kind of uh i mean in terms of like the hero's journey like it is the unknown world of uh back room machinations seems to be like the world of politics like there's power structures that we normal people don't appreciate that there's the way things are done and we don't want to like we don't even know actually (laughs) how things Mm -hmm. are being done very often and uh in terms of the hero's journey we're getting you know in, in this case like the crossing of the threshold is what we have in this uh in this it, it, you know in these opening episodes um clearly I, I can't remember how many episodes i said it was over 50 episodes were produced so there's a lot more <laughs> to the yes. hero's journey i'm sure <laughs> uh than what we're getting here uh but uh we do um see this idea of someone crossing into the unknown world uh and he has uh you know a mentor in in the prime minister who's kind of like walking him through things but also you can tell the prime minister is definitely part of that unknown world and not, <laughs> not uh-huh. part of <laughs> Massel's world at, at all. And there's, there's a different sense of uh, like what the status quo is and what normalcy is and what, you know, how, how things are going to be done where Vassal is like uh, concerned about like, well, if I don't pay my bike loan, I'm charged 17. I'm assuming it's equivalent to dollars. Like I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> charged $17 for every day that I'm behind on the loan. And the prime minister is kind of like, well, mocking like, $17. Oh my. Well, we got to take care <laughs> yes. of this right now. And really he's like, I just need you to stop worrying about this because this does not matter at all. Like that sum of money is, is nothing. It's a wave of the hand uh, to take care we'll of the entire load. 15 bikes and a peacock <laughs> to pull them. Like, yeah. Uh, and I love those moments where you see the, like the different spheres of reality uh, that the characters are operating in. And that does put me in mind of all those, uh, you know, the American versions of a lot of this kind of story too. Uh, you know, whether it's like Mr. Smith's like Boy Scout, uh, you know, 
make the world a better place mm-hmm. uh, by being good. Or in Dave, when uh, the Kevin Klein character, like, he's like, well, let's, like, you're saying this is too big of a problem. Like, like we saw, we, everyone has to balance the budget. Let's balance this budget. <laughs> you know? yeah. And they're like, we, we don't actually do that. <laughs> in government, he's like, well, let's do it. <laughs> like, every small business owner has to know how to do this. <laughs> so, One of the things I, I love about this story is because he's a history teacher, there's uh, this kind of, like, hint that actually he's going to be really great at this. Like uh-huh. more than anyone else, he really understands what's going on. I mean, when he's first introduced, it's it's such um, it's such clever filmmaking. Really, uh-huh. he like it shows him in his bedroom, and he's fallen asleep with a a book on Plutarch with Plutarch on his face. Yeah, like the a, a statue of Plutarch, uh, like the bust is on the cover of the book. And the book's on his face. So he is Plutarch when we first see him. <laughs> this hint of like, immediately you see him as this like noble, knowledgeable figure who's in his underwear and spread across this bed and then immediately <laughs> wakes up and is late for his day. Like just right from the beginning, it's his entire character in about 10 seconds. Well, and Plutarch was uh, a historian, right? You know, so so yes. it is... It, it, it's, uh, you know, a politician and historian uh, and, you know, a, a founder of a lot of our conceptions of how, uh, you know, politics is going to function is it, it, we got to go back to Plutarch. And so it is a very, uh, you know, knowing and, and I think whatever you're familiar with Pl- Plutarch is like you, you get the joke and you get the you get that this mm-hmm. is a reference to, you know, ancient Greek and even just like a reference to ancient Greece gives us like. Oh, democracy! <laughs> like you know, we we, we, get, we get something, but I think that even the specificity of it being Plutarch though is adding adding even more. Yeah, well, and something we don't see in these first two episodes become that, but becomes a staple of the series is he actually Vassil has these kind of visions, these thoughts about what different historical figures would think about the circumstances he's in. <laughs> so he actually is a visited by Plutarch and Abraham Lincoln oh, and I love this. Castro <laughs> and, and, all, and a bunch of like Ukrainian historical figures who I don't know and who are very violent and not necessarily very admirable people. <laughs> that is a wonderful conceit. Like what Isn't fantastic it? both comedy, but also like thematic, uh, you know, heft can be given to the series. Uh, with with that aspect of it, it gives him this way of like of showing his inner turmoil and his inner conflict, while also like his knowledge and um, and then pointing out like the the historical circumstances of this situation. Like these are things that yeah they're happening now, but they've happened before. Yeah, it, oh, I I really like that uh, that aspect of it, and um, I think it fits the tone of the series that we're given um, because we, you know, we get the flashbacks, like this isn't being played as uh, a straight up narrative uh, in how we, how, how uh, you know, the tone that we're given in these first two episodes. So I think it fits to, to have something, uh, you know, like those visions um, added in just to kind of keep the surreality mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the series present. And I think that even to that structure, just acknowledging that, um, when I started the episode, uh, like all the, uh, the on the YouTube page, because you said it's uh, it's either from his production company or or his own page. Like it was all Ukrainian characters, which I do not read. Uh, <laughs> and I started the episode, and I was like, "Is this 
the pilot. <laughs> After a little bit. <laughs> like when the prime minister shows up and says, Mr. President, I'm like, did I miss the setup of him accidentally running for president of Ukraine? Uh, and then we, we do get it through flashbacks. I, I think it was really successful, but I did have a moment of like, <laughs> and something I, i'm not sure if we really have made this clear but we should like nail it down is that it was partly in large part because of this tv series that the real um the real Zelensky was elected president like his the crew who made the show i mean for one thing Zelensky's political party is called Servant of the People. Right? It has the same name as the show. And it actually, the Servant of the People party um, eventually is elected to like 60% or something of the parliament. They become kind of the dominant force or one of the dominant forces in Ukrainian politics. And this is real life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, you know, as Americans, we we have a history of uh, popular figures uh, taking over political office. Uh, you know, whether we're going back to Ronald Reagan or uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sonny Bono or, or Donald Trump, like uh, entertainment figures shifting over into politics is certainly not unheard of uh, in our system. And I'm guessing that it's probably pretty common in other ones but it, it is so but, strange but for it to become that prominent that quickly where like the the political party was created i think it said in 2018 when i was looking stuff up and he was elected mm-hmm. in 2019 uh I'm like, whoa okay from not like entering an existing political apparatus with your fame but like no a, a new political apparatus is being formed uh you know it, it's still it definitely i'm sure his fame is a huge part of the success of that uh and i don't want to like separate those entirely um but but it says something, I think, uh, you know, that uh, the show was popular enough. He was well known enough that really kind of from, you know, zero to a prominent political party, <laughs> you know, the, yes. a, a, a majority <laughs> political party. Uh, and, it, and it says something about the content of the show that that it was so meaningful to the people, like mm-hmm. clearly the problems and things in it, the, the corruption, which is the main focus of the show is a real thing. And so they actually did in real life look to not necessarily an every man outsider, but still an outsider of the political system to try and fix everything. I mean, and it's hard, I think for us as such outsiders of the Ukrainian political system, again, like I'm drawn to these American analogs. Why do you think mm-hmm. it is so appealing to have this idea of the outsider going in to politics? It is something we see over and over again uh, that, um, it, for both political parties <laughs> here in the, here in the United States, like this, this appeal of like, well, I'm not, I'm not part of the system, so you can trust me. Uh, and and yet, well, the, I mean, the system is also the, so large. <laughs> in the later episodes of the show, they even it it does this good job of kind of walking through even the difficulties that like <laughs> Vasil in the show is literally described like as a saint. It's this great little moment later on where he like his head pops up and there's this halo that comes from the hairdresser's light or whatever it is <laughs> behind him. And it's, um, it, it, it's kind of an old joke, but the way they chain it with other jokes, it's just so well done anyway, but here is the saint. And then he goes into a very, well, in this case, exaggerated political thing. And then, the way everybody from the outside perceives him, like the ups and the downs and when they, when the public has patience with them and when they don't. 
and like what they expect him to do and what he expects himself to do. And then is just not possible in this in system where corruption is just so entrenched that even the, uh, the wife of the economics minister has a full uh, caravan, has a, <laughs> of cars. An entourage, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Three limos and everything. It's, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's an interesting mix because on the one hand, you're saying like he is presented as a saint, but our opening introduction to him as he's being short-tempered with his family and making demands <laughs> and also being ignored, it does not present him in the saintly light. It really is um, not that he's a jerk. It's just, it feels so average and so mundane. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, these family interactions that we're getting, it's not setting him up as like, um, you know, like a Mr. Rogers figure or the Mr. Smith goes to Washington where like Jimmy Stewart is like literally wearing boy scout uh, clothes. I mean, I've been watching a long time, but I, I think he's literally a boy scout leader. <laughs> and that's not who we get. We get uh, uh, a man who becomes famous because of, uh, he loses his temper and goes on a profane tirade. And uh, you know, he's, He's like waking up late. He's uh, trying to he's tell his family awkward. down about it, and he's 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 like not even really respected by his family. He's just kind of there, as part of family. Uh, and like his student, his, his teacher student relationship seems to be like pretty good, but not like oh, this is the greatest teacher. <laughs> All yes. right, and, you know, I think there's <laughs> like, a sense of just they have not yet done their homework, it. right? Like he yeah. hasn't changed the class in such a way that you know he's working on it, uh-huh. but it hasn't gotten there yet. Yeah, it's so. I love that he does. the The character himself has these. Well, it, eventually they just seem like surface flaws, but you just love them. Like you, you just love him for them. And I feel, and a lot of the tension in the show comes from these outside corrupting forces and all these people swirling around him, trying to change him. Mm-hmm. And when he doesn't need to change at all, right. like he. he you know he's he's doing fine he is who like he needs to be and he just needs to hold on to that and it's i mean i don't know how far this goes or how it gets developed but in these two episodes that i watched you do sense like his family is immediately ready to be corrupted (laughs) yes (laughs) they're ready to to say what government money is coming our way who can we set up in cushy jobs where they don't actually have to work we will we will dole out favors to anyone (laughs) for you know immediately uh and he's like just overwhelmed uh but like his parents are like yeah of course we'll get your cousin that you haven't talked to in 18 years uh uh you know a a job and they're like they're arguing about how high up they could get the job to be yeah like (laughs) customs right we'll get him a position in customs and that'll work out just fine it's i really with i love the the structure though of him being like not necessarily needing to change because it well it reminds me of like 90s sitcoms where the characters in them over years and years and years never really change they're just the same people they were at the beginning of the show yeah, there's a, a, I mean, famously Seinfeld. It's like, nope, no, there, there'll be no evolution uh, evolution for these characters. <laughs> yeah. No long-term relationships. Uh, I mean, it, even more so, you get like, a, if, you, if you jump back even a little bit earlier, it's it's uh, just like the constant reset at the end of an episode. Like, oh, there's no yes. even arcs. Uh, you know, if you go back to, to 60s or mm-hmm. 70s sitcoms, it's just every episode must be completely self-contained. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. But with this one, you do get the impression that everybody else 
needs to change. And so it's this kind of mix of structures uh -huh. that I like. Like I could watch this show for a long time if if um, Vassil stays the same person. And, and they could just keep yeah. moving oh, yeah. him along. And that's the battle because everything around him is going to be trying to change him. And so mm -hmm. uh, when, we're t when we talk about like interesting characters and stories, often it's like, okay, how are they different at point B? You know, we meet them at point A, but how are they transformed uh, mm -hmm. and evolved at point B in a film or in a novel? But often for like for years long running TV series, it's like, okay, well, point, point F, G, H, you know, as we get down. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, and a, eventually a, a, it's one of the hardest part for those series, for those shows is when the like – in fact, with comics, what it makes me think of is is Spider Man, mm -hmm. where Peter Parker eventually is married and he's got kids, and then they and, got reset. <laughs> yeah, like oh, whoops, he's no longer relatable to most of our audience. Yeah, Umberto Eco wrote an essay uh, about the myth of Superman, where he talked about the comic books need to present an illusion of change, where it feels like mm -hmm. uh, transformation is happening, but it is also a static myth, so that anytime you pick it up, it's the Superman that's familiar. Uh, mm -hmm. But when it's been going for decades, like that illusion of change really would be an awful lot of change. <laughs> if it ever took, and, and we see that in comics with that reset that you're talking about, uh, you know, that, that okay, we're, we're going to go back to the status quo of the, you know, early, earlier era, uh, you know, change, change, change. Okay, uh, back. And sometimes it's a universe wide reset that DC Comics does. Uh, or in the case of Spider-Man, we're going to we're going to do one major storyline that's going to, you know, uh, say uh, he's, he's never, never was really married. Uh, he was, but he wasn't. <laughs> he's back yes. to being single. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but um, but Vasil, the character he reminds me most of at the moment, like the, the one he seems most similar to is um, from Ted Lasso from the Apple mm -hmm. TV series. Yes. Yeah, this like saint of a character, this really good person, heart of gold, who everybody else just doesn't understand, thrown into this new situation. He's unprepared, well, supposedly unprepared for, but you just know that he's going to rock it, that he's <laughs> going to, after encountering initial troubles, that he's going to carry them to victory. And and with the Ted Lasso show, they they felt the need to give him deeper problems, uh -huh. to like have him actually have character development. They didn't, which really works for that show. But I feel like if they were to try and do that here, they'd have to be so careful because mm -hmm. he's he's already this kind of comedic character who just is so well situated. And, it, and it's hard to see like how they could change him and yet still re like retain the core of the show of being a, you know, a true person in difficult circumstances. Yeah. And I think it, it, it is interesting to see these scenarios. I, I don't think it would work for, you know, the majority of stories that, that are being told, but, uh, but scenarios where it is the system and the characters around our main character that the audience actually wants to see changed, not the main character. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, and I think that's something we see with Ted Lasso is like his positivity rubbing off on Rebecca, on uh, Roy, uh, you know, on uh, on these other characters where we see greater transformation in, this, in the supporting cast than in Ted Lasso. There is some. And as you said, like we, we do see these revelations about uh, his uh, you know, mental health struggles and things that he's kind of been keeping bottled up in this uh, under the uh, guise of this always a bubbly optimistic personality there is some tension roiling underneath there uh and here it's this uh average but good person moral person mm -hmm. entering 
you know, what we call in America, the political swamp, where you just assume, like there is a de facto assumption of corruption, a de facto assumption of being beholden to outside influences, to outside money, uh, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, And you just, uh, everyone, like we see the prime minister, he's like, he, he, there's uh, an assumption that, okay, you didn't really crowdsource your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can, you can hide it. You're doing that, a that's great a job. Story. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use that next time. I've got to explain where my money came from because we all know we all have somewhere that the money's coming from. Uh, and that status quo is the problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And the evolution that we want to see, the transformation, is in that status quo, not in our protagonist in this instance. I have a degree in economics, and one of the um, one of the basic things in it is called the prisoner's dilemma, uh-huh. where you have these two prisoners. I, I've been doing a bit of game theory study oh, <laughs> lately. Yep, exactly, uh, prisoner's <laughs> comes up quite a bit. Yeah, it's really... so why don't you explain it to us? <laughs> so the, the idea you have these two prisoners, um, and the idea that if they they could either uh, confess or not confess. And if they both confess, things go really poorly for them. But if they both don't confess, if they just stay silent, then, you know, they get like one year each. They get let off pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But if one of them confesses and the other one doesn't, then the one who confesses gets let off and the one who doesn't gets hammered really poorly. Uh-huh. And economics is trying to find the societal optimal solution like what is best for all of society and the best thing for these two the the two prisoners is to uh is to not neither of them to to confess for them to stay silent mm-hmm. and they've economic economists love this partly because you can actually test it like you can get yeah. you know the college freshmen walk them into the lab and whatever and do all these different variations and they found out that if you just do it once the optimal strategy is to um is to confess like like that's that's really almost all the time that's the best thing to do but if you repeat the game over and over and over again like with the same people the best thing to do is to stay silent up until the other person confesses. And once they've confessed once, you just confess. You just go with, like, you just keep confessing and not cooperating with them forever. And the way that applies to this is everybody isn't working together to make this system work. It's like they've all, you know, confessed to the crime. They've all, the thing is broken. And the optimal solution is then for everybody to just keep cheating to like you know if my neighbor is stealing from the government well then i'm going to steal from the government and in order to change that situation it takes someone who's just going to take the hit you need the saint you need the person you can depend on who's just in the prisoner's dilemma stay silent but in here you need vassal to be honest and you need them to stay that way no matter what happens so that other people can then become honest and that they can really start working together for the societal optimal solution. And that, and so it all just kind of depends on him. He needs to become the, the staple that everybody else relies on, that everybody else can trust. 
that's where a lot of the tension is going to be coming from is that idea of, is he going to vacillate? Uh, you know, is, is he going to, to fail? Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, like, you know, you know, that he doesn't, but along the way, you just know he's going to take hits. Yeah. And like, oh, and that, it is just going to hurt. It's just going to be so tense. I love the prisoner's dilemma because it, it uh, it's kind of like the uh, Biter Meinhof effect. Like once you know it, it's everywhere. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I said, I, I've come across it because um, the last season of Survivor used yeah. the prisoner's dilemma, like ex- explicitly. It was just they were doing the prisoner's dilemma, and as soon as it showed up, and I've been doing some stuff with game theory, and it was specifically about Survivor. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to talk about that. Uh, my wife, who teaches psychology, she's like, oh, I talk about the prisoner's dilemma in psychology classes all the time, <laughs> and you're just saying it's oh, yes. in, in economics. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it's all over, and I've never heard it applied to like the where the tension is going to be found in the story like like long term uh you know for this and i like that uh description because i think it's a really good explanation of uh you know where the audience is going to find uh both their their kind of like hopes and fears simultaneously <laughs> our, <Yes>. our president <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and i think that's uh one reason that it translates so well is i think that's like the hopes and fears that we have in politics all the time is uh, everyone who elects someone to, you know, wherever you are, you elect mm-hmm. someone. And if it's your party that your candidate that won, you view them as the good person that is going to Washington and you hope that they don't fall to the corrupt system. <laughs> like yes. you, there's an assumption that there's something wrong with the system over there. Uh, and, and you're sending the good person. If it's your mm-hmm. opponent, uh, you know, the person you didn't vote for that gets elected is like, oh no, that it was, ah, no, you know, they're the corrupt ones. <laughs> you know, they're, they're part of the system. Uh, and, and so I think there's like real life tension that is being translated over into the show very well. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, when Zelensky was elected in real life, uh, there were many people around the world who were watching this show so carefully to try and figure out what he and his team, because he took many of the people who made this show are in the Ukrainian government right now. Like they went from being filmmakers to country leaders. And they, so people studied the show to try and figure out what do they believe? What are their ideals? What, what is important? What at least do they want to have be important to them? And it is just like the, the honesty and the straightforwardness and the never, like never bending, never taking the corruption and being like this down to earth person who all these things are clearly values that that this production team which is now to some degree or another a government running the government in in a time of war believe and it and it actually to to go on to a more serious note it's when i like seeing that having seen the show and having just imagine like Zelensky making it and being like, you know what, this this is who I want to be. Like, there's all these historical figures in later episodes of the show, and, and like this is what this this is what I wish for. And then to have this situation, it isn't that surprising to have it. Like, it feels like again with the mythology and mythologizing him like destiny or or i mean even that's too strong but it does feel like the man we got lucky and ukraine got lucky 
by having this right, this man who wanted these things and wanted to be these things in the situation where that's exactly what his country needed. And I think it's, I mean, the parallels are so unexpected to see like the idea in the show of like a normal person thrust into this incredibly significant political role and leadership role. And Mm -hmm. are they going to rise to the occasion? Are they going to be bent by all the forces that are trying to sway him, uh, you know, on all sides. And then to have that actor elected president, those same questions can be asked. And then not only a president, but now a wartime president. And Mm -hmm. in one of the most, like the videos and all the news reports are just so harrowing and so tragic of what is being endured in Ukraine right now. And he's, he's not bending, he's not yielding, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's, uh, and I think it, like the, I was talking with someone and like the expectation would be for a politician to get out and, you know, lead from exile, right? You know, uh, like in in America, there was an attack on Washington, DC. We know the president is not in Washington, (laughs) DC. Like that, that wouldn't, the the, the assumption would be that would be wild. (laughs) That (laughs) that the president would, would stay there. And, Zelensky and his team are there in Kiev, uh, are there putting out videos, um, well, and, and media, you know, meeting with world leaders from Kiev as it's being attacked and shelled. What's interesting is here you have Zelensky using social media and using the internet and even with all these crowdsourcing campaigns in order to get Bunny to Ukraine, um, which everybody please you know find a good crowdsourcing campaign and donate money to help to help the refugees and everything that's going on over there um it's in the show like that's how the vasil got elected that's how he got the money was an internet campaign and crowdsourcing social media and and it's actually also how zelensky got elected he the, the press um complained for months i i think it was months but it was a while that he was not allowing them to interview him because he was going directly to the people he was using social media and all all these different uh technologies that the internet has to connect directly with the people and so it's the, the like through chain of this fake scenario and the people behind it, and then how it becomes real is just so strange and so fascinating. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's just, it, it is an outright tragedy that we're, we're making these connections, right? Yes. <laughs> in, yeah. in, in every, the, the best timeline is that we never think about this at all, <laughs> that, that we yeah. never have to engage with this. Um, but it is, um, I, again, I, some of the level of mythologizing I'm, I, I'm uncomfortable with the, the, yes. you know, because of, of the, the reality of what, what's happening, but it is, mm-hmm. it's like his leadership is inspiring. <laughs> like yeah. it is absolutely inspiring I mean, to see last year, him doing last, everything that he, that he is. It, it's amazing. Last year, his, uh, Zelensky's approval rating was in the low thirties and it's, it's possible that it was just because people wanted him to be the person they wanted him to be Vasil from Servant of the People, and he's a real person. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's, and, you know, and they were realizing it. His approval rating drops. Um, you know, he's not like he he's doing. He seems very much to be doing the right thing now. It's connected with so many people around the world. But again, like he's he's a real person with real problems and um, and real frailties. And and it's it can be helpful to remember that. I I hope you don't mind me getting a little bit into politics, but there's people who want to have us not speak negatively of like the founders of the country Mm -hmm. and to, to, to set them up as, as saints, as these perfect people. As demigods that, you know, were, were put to found the greatest country on earth. Yes. They stood how they stand in all of the paintings all the Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, always spoke wise words Mm -hmm. and everything. But I find it so much more inspiring to realize that, you know, George Washington, he, he did have slaves and that's a bad thing, but he also arranged for them to be released, to be freed after he died, if I have my information correct. Mm-hmm. And he even worked to make sure that they would be okay at that time. And, and so it's this mixed bag and it's like, okay, I, I am an imperfect person. But if these imperfect people can make such a big difference in the world, you know, if Vasil in this story, who like is so impatient with his family, who when he's trying to get his shirt ironed, he's if he can then make such a difference, and if Zelensky can make a difference, well then, you know what, I might be able to too. Yeah, it's um, the idea, not that pointing out frailties uh, diminishes their accomplishments. It's recognizing that people with such frailties accomplish great things. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea of slavery, it is reprehensible and unforgivable uh, in many lights. And if that was, it's like the the poles of the spectrum, (laughs) you know, it's it's, um, like uh, when when there was the debate about like taking down Confederate statues, my, my feeling was like, if the greatest accomplishment of your life was committing treason against your country so that you could keep owning slaves. Maybe you don't get any monuments, but yes. <laughs> the greatest accomplishment of your life was founding a country that's still standing. Uh, and you also held slaves. Let's have nuance in that discussion, but the monuments could probably still stand. <laughs> you know, and, and even, you know, like the, again, the nuance, so like, let's talk about this. Let's yeah. figure out who these, the bad, bad things that they did, the good things that they did. What is it that makes someone great? What is it that makes helps them make a difference? And who is and as we look at that, who is it that we want to be? Hmm. Uh, and it, it can be so tense uh, trying to talk about yeah. real life people in this way, which is partly why I love stories and I love <laughs> I love things like you know Vasil Golobrodko and like that it gives us this kind of neutral ground to talk about where. Hmm. We can talk about things that matter in a situation where it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, I think you know, we want to, the goal should always be like build on the foundation of the best parts and, but recognize where there are weaknesses within that foundation. And that's what we need to buttress and correct and fix in our present. <laughs> when, we, when we're talking <laughs> <Yes>. about the past, <laughs> like, guess what? There are correctors that need to be given uh, or made in, in our culture. Well, 
I want to thank you for uh, asking to come on and talk about this. I was hesitant uh, as things were unfolding because uh, it's just so big what's happening uh, in, yeah, in Ukraine and, 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 and how we're going to handle on. Uh, but I'm glad you said, yeah. no, I think we should still do this episode. Uh, I, I'm so glad. And, and I know that we both wish them the best. And I, um, I want to listen to this episode in a few weeks and to, um, and to know that my worries now were unfounded. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I hope for. And if it turns out that that's not the case, then hopefully, you know, we can still, hopefully this, this will help us drive some sort of peace or guidance or, you know, still do some good in the world. Yeah, we can celebrate the best that we're seeing, uh, you know, at, at this moment of tragedy. Yes. I, I think that's the best note uh, that we can un- end on. So, Jacob, thank you so much for uh, asking to come on and to talk about this this uh, TV show. <laughs> thank you. And I I really would be so excited to come back. If, in fact, I don't know if you've had an episode on the, the Sid Fleischman Superman cartoons uh, we we have not done the Fleischman Studios stuff. I mean, I I love those Fleischman. The, the, Aren't they so great? The the, the artists beautiful. There's some uh, some stuff we we'd have oh, to address. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> <My goodness>. yes. <laughs> there's there's some issues of uh, World War II <laughs> that, that are oh and, and some of the propaganda that that uh, doesn't look great uh, looking back on. <laughs> no. but uh, the the animation holds up so well. It is stunning animation that's being done. Oh my, yeah, I, yeah, it's so incredible. Anyway, if you want an excuse. I would totally help you with that. Okay. Well, thank you, Jacob, again uh, for coming on. Uh, We're going to go ahead and uh, wrap up the episode. And thank you, listeners, for downloading this episode. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So... (laughs) 